Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. Have you ever woken up and thought, hey, you know something? I've never run an ultra marathon. How about I go sign up for a multi-stage ultra in the Australian Outback? What could go wrong? If you want to know what not to do, our next guest is your man. He's also won the 6-H Atacama Crossing in Chile, so he also kind of knows what to do as well. I got to say, I haven't laughed as much during the taping. Maybe it was the cold and flu medication. Maybe there's some gems in there. We're going to call this one hashtag dig deep, hashtag just sign up. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. Zandy Mangold, proudly representing North Brooklyn Runners. NBR in the house. Zandy. In the house. How was your week? OG, OG NBR. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man, the week's amazing. It's like it's like uh, spring. I can't complain. Now I'm di- I've been digging this weather, except for the fact I got the flu, so I haven't been out since Saturday. I was running. Oh, no. Yeah, I was running, and I was I was feeling I was burning up, and I mean it was sixty five degrees. So on top of it, I just felt really miserable. And like the next morning, I woke up, and you know that feeling in the back of your throat. You get that little very well. Yep. And then it was just like downhill from there. And here, hello, 101 fever. Oh no. Yeah. So there, there goes my, are you, are you sure you're okay to be doing this podcast? (laughs) I'm going to rely on you for the energy level here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let me, let me, let me take a gel. Okay. And that would be, make sure it's caffeinated. Right. A hammer gel. That would be. (laughs) Good. Yeah. How did you know? Yeah. I'm going to pop a hammer. Espresso gel. (laughs) So good. Hey, I, I, I'm not endorsed by Hammer, but hey, Hammer, if you're listening, call me. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure. Yeah. Sponsored by Hammer. <laughs> Use. I was using hair. I was using a Hammer a long time before our relationship. So I'm. I don't feel badly saying that. I I do use Hammer. Uh, I, oh, I. You do. Yeah, I actually do use Hammer. I don't want to start like bad mouthing any other others, but when I started getting into triathlon training. It just really kept me going, like easy to pick up through the transition. And it's like, I just had the energy going throughout the day. So I, I wow. really enjoy them. And they are, you good sure on my you are, are you sure you don't want to be, are you sure you don't want to be sponsored by Hammer? Well, Hey, you know, this podcast <laughs> could use a sponsor. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> just saying. Well, you know, talk about training. Are you training for anything right now? Uh, actually, yes. I was planning to uh, train pretty hard for Boston. But then I actually got into Western States. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. So I was shocked. I never thought I'd get off or win the lottery. And so I did. And uh, so now Boston has become my B race and uh, Western States. Since it's probably the only time I'll be able to run it will be my A race. And that's in June. So even though it's in June, uh, it's pretty much all I think about when I'm training. Right on. Yeah. So, so that's now kicking in now it's you, or if you, if you're doing like an 18 week, you still have a, you still have a little bit, you know, before you get into the full blown training schedule then. Yeah. I think though, uh, mentally, uh, the training has started, <laughs> even if, uh, physically it's not, not 
in full swing yet. Well, I can, I mean, yeah, it's Western States. So the, yeah. the realization that it's in less than six months, that that's going to be, that's going to be the anxiety ridden next few months. Yeah. Cause I mean, and before you know it, it's June. So yeah. 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 I have a, uh, I was, this was supposed to be my first week of training, uh, looking at the dirty German in May, the 50 miler in Philly. And this was supposed to be my first week of training. And of course flew. So there goes my 65 miles for the week. Oh. I'll just pick oh, that that's up. Great. You get, Hey, you get to rest though. Yeah. It's a, I call it a rest week. <laughs> yeah. And, and rest is part of training. So it's mm-hmm. all good. <laughs> so let's, let's go back in time for a bit. I mean, you're doing Western States and we, we have a lot of ultra talk, but I mean, how long have you been running and, or, or even like in high school, were you a runner in high school? What were you like back um, then? So actually got into running because of basketball, basketball and baseball were my main sports in high school. Well, actually my entire life until I got into running. And then, uh, I think I heard some NBA basketball player talking about running to, you know, just for overall fitness. And I went out for the cross country team and it just was a great fit. Um, just worked, loved, I grew up in New Hampshire, like in the woods anyway. And then, uh, running on trails just, just felt so, so good. And, uh, um, as I got older, I actually tried out for the basketball team in college. I went to Connecticut college and it's division three. And I got cut, <laughs> uh, from, from a D three program. So I think that's, that was pretty much, that was pretty much a sign. That's the writing maybe, on the wall. Yeah. Maybe I should move on to something else. So, um, that's when I got, I guess the, more serious about running. And, uh, so I ran in college cross country and it was amazing. It was probably the best part of my college experience overall. Um, and I, I love college, but the running part was just so amazing. Um, but then after college, I didn't run much for probably about the next 12 years, Mm -hmm. 12, 13 years, because I basically started running again with, um, any intention when I was about 35. Um, and it's around then it's around that point that I got into ultra marathons, but I, I never, I never had any intention of getting into ultra marathons. I mean, I was, uh, more into, uh, shorter distances and like anything over like a 10 K just seemed kind of like, I didn't see the point. It was boring to me. Um, and actually hurt. Like I, I couldn't figure out how to run more than like seven or eight miles without just like hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I never, I never saw myself as an ultra runner, but. Uh, well, you were also it, more like, you know, the kind of musician person too, for a little while. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was that. It's there, funny. Also, like, it's funny how like music being, you know, trying to be a musician in New York doesn't, it doesn't really work well with being a serious runner. That that scheduling um, doesn't work out. Conflicting, yeah, conflicting lifestyles. So, but yeah, there was I was in tons of bands, and the, the latest was Manana Couch, and uh, that, that's morning, morning, we, morning couch. Yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we never, we never went for the yeah the, the full on translation. <laughs> um, but yeah, Manana Couch and. uh, we uh we didn't exactly break up, but one of our our bass player moved to uh, uh Virginia, so we haven't played for a while. But that was but you know what was cool about Manana Couch is that uh for once I was in a band was that was just like yeah just play louder or faster 
you know, usually like I'm a drummer. So usually the drummer, the band is like, can you be more quiet? You know, like blah, blah, blah. But these, but these guys are awesome. They're awesome friends and they're like, just play louder or faster. So all the, all the rehearsals and the shows were like, I mean, it was like, it was like one big H I I T, um, workout. <laughs> Did I get that right? H I I T. Yeah. 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 So, so actually that, that did work well with running except for the sprained ankle I had, um, which, uh, was my right, right foot, which is the base title, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you can have like calf injuries. Um, yeah. But anyway, so like the band was like my high intensity workout and, uh, yeah. So kind of worked out in that sense. The running was my endurance, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, so I never expected to get into ultra running, but, um, as I'm a photographer, that's my day job. And uh, I got assignment to photograph this amazing race series. It's called Racing the Planet, um, a.k.a. Four Deserts. And uh, they have races, four to five races all over the world each year. And uh, they're stage races. So it's like approximately 150 miles per race uh, in about six, uh, seven consecutive days, six stages over seven consecutive days. So... A uh, pretty serious ultra marathon, and um, that was my introduction to ultra running. And even when I was photographing the races, I was like, I mean, this, this is ridiculous. These people are, you know, they're they're nuts. They're, they're beautiful nuts. You know, they're crazy in a beautiful way. But I was like, this is nothing that I would ever want to put my body through. Mm-hmm. But uh, after photographing a few races, I it's like I made some great friends and thought, oh, I'll go out. And I'm a runner. You know, I have a running background. It'll, it'll be fun. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was a the first ultra marathon was a, a serious wake up call. It, it was a good um, idea at the time. Um, yeah, you know, you have a couple glasses of wine, and there's all kinds of great ideas. Uh, oh, keep me away from ath- keep me away from athletes at like one in the morning after a night out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know if it was the wine or the beer, but whatever. Uh, yeah. So that that first race was in the Australian outback mm-hmm. in uh in 2010 and I mean it was like a sauna with a with a heat lamp it was like you're in a sauna and there's a heat lamp above you the whole time and uh, I came from New York uh in the winter so I didn't have any heat training I didn't know anything about like how to heat train in a sauna at that point so that was one problem but I mean this entire race uh, this whole this this week long experience in the outback was really a it was like going to like ultra running university and I feel like after I walked out of, or got out of that race alive um, had a had such a good foundation because I made every mistake possible. Well, and it also in Australia everything is trying to kill you. Oh there's that fa- yeah there's that factor and in this race is like you're also like. It's like I was trying to kill myself. I mean, so in addition to everything else, um, yeah. But uh, so, so how did it unfold? What happened there? Did anything really stick out? Did you say stink or stick? <laughs> A little bit of both. <laughs> did anything really stink? I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. You- <laughs> it, was, it was like it was just one big. One, it was one big disaster after another. So it was like being new to ultra running. Like okay, they they gave us these. Uh, small plastic bags that are like biodegradable, like a supply for the week. And I must've missed the explanation at orientation, whatever. So I, I I knew they were for like your waste when you're on the trail, you know? 
but I didn't understand that these bags were just for the paper waste. So I was actually putting all of my waste. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> the number twos. Um, and number two rhymes with another word. If you can't figure out what waste I'm kind of waste I'm talking about, but anyway, so I was actually putting all of the waste into the bag and then I would carry it the entire day and then dispose of it when I got to camp. And it was like 120, well, I don't know. It was like, I don't know, 110 degrees, you know, super humid. And then finally one day someone saw me doing this and I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm taking care of my voice. And I was like, then I learned, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but it, I mean, one more, one more um, antidote with regard to number two is like, I mean, this, yeah, in this race, I was so, I wasn't even running. I was just, um, I was just beaten down after a couple, after a couple miles into this race, I was out, uh, like heat exhaustion, heat mm. poison, every single kind of heat related malady. Like I had it and it had a massive headache. And then the, both it bands like flared up. I was a wreck. I wasn't running. I was just like walking and hiking and getting down the course as I could. So at some point later in the week, like I was so sore that when I went uh, to the bathroom, I couldn't even be bothered to like get the toilet paper out of my pack. So I just grabbed what was like available and it happened to be this, uh, this ACE bandage, uh, which we had in case we were bitten by one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. Um, so I used this ACE bandage, but the problem is the ACE bandage was part of our mandatory gear, which you had to have on you at all times. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm going So. I, I mean, it was, I was, I was so desperate. Like I was just, this whole race was just about desperation. And like, so I used the waist bandage, the, the ACE bandage and I wrapped it up as best as I could. And I maybe I stuck it in something and it was in my pack for the rest of the week. <laughs> I mean, that's what the race was like. There was another point in this race where the trail um, became a, a river and you had to go between the reason is because there was a Canyon. So you, you were forced to take the river in between the, the steep walls of the canyon. And we had been required to have a waterproof bag for this part of the course. So it's not like it was a surprise. And uh, so I put myself in the waterproof bag, kind of used it as a flotation device. And as I'm floating down the, the river, um, I'm like, this is amazing. I finally have water, like all the water I could ever drink. And I just start like gulping. I mean, it's so ridiculous looking back, but I'm just like drinking river water. river water as I'm floating down the river. I'm like, they didn't warn you about amazing. that, did they? Amazing. And a few hours later, I couldn't have been sicker out of everywhere. But I mean, that, so that race, I made every single mistake, and uh, I finished. I did finish it, and uh, in last place. So you know, I made a statement. I made a real statement. <laughs> Well, that's the, you know, the adventures and uh, cause I do a lot of hiking and it is one of the, you know, those kind of a flow chart for hiking is like, did you get lost? Okay. Did you die? No, you had a great adventure. Did you see a bear? Awesome. <laughs> did you do this? Did you forget to pack your food? Yes. But did you die? No. <laughs> then you had a great adventure. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. so, so pretty much your flow chart just ended with, did you die? No. Then it was cool. <laughs> I part of me may have died. I don't know, but yeah, once it came a out alive, piece of, a little piece of you died a inside. Piece of, yeah, 
yeah. Well, well, but yes, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I, I was I gonna say, but I mean, uh, like, like, uh, yeah, a little piece of me probably, yes, is still in the outback, um, <laughs> withering. But uh, the the main point, the point that I want to make about this whole story is that, um, and the, the main lesson they took from the race is that I didn't know, and this is very like is super relatable to ultra running. Um, probably most people have this experience at some point. And, uh, it's like, I didn't realize what my limits were. Mm-hmm. Um, because in order to just get from one checkpoint to the next or one stage to the next, and ultimately to the end of the race, I had to dig, uh, more deeply than I thought I could. Yeah. I had to keep, I was like, I can't go any further but I really want to finish this race. So I have to. And that kept happening throughout the week. One of the reasons is because a was my first race. So I was like, I'm finishing period. But also this particular race I had dedicated to my cousin who was battling lung cancer. And I was using the race as an opportunity to raise money for uh, just lung cancer research in her name. And I knew what she was going through. And so with that inspiration, um, I was able to keep going. If I hadn't had that, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have honestly uh, finished a race. But so it's it's interesting, you know, what gets uh, us through racism and life in general. You know, it's it's always something different. But it, anyway, that was that the story of that race. I agree with you, like a thousand percent on that. Where it's you know, you take a look at it and you're like, hey, I'm doing this. Okay. How bad is this really? Okay. I'm a little sore. I'm a little tired or a lot sore, a lot tired. And then you like that inspiration of like, look what they're going through 24 yeah. hours a day. I can suck this up. It's it, it's, it's not going to make it any nicer, easier, or better, but you become limitless at that point. And right. that's, that said also, there's another thing to bring back. And from speaking with so many people in the ultra community, what I've found is there's this common thread about, I'm just going to sign up and go do this. Now, I don't know if people are born <laughs> with this malfunction in their brain, um, <laughs> but it's like, I've never run an ultra. I'm going to go sign up for an ultra. I've run only five Ks. And the people I've spoken with, they're like, oh, I don't even look at elevation profile. I just sign up and then, you know, I just show up and I do it. There's this mentality that, hey, why not? Just go do it. What's the worst that can happen? And I guess we go back to the flow chart. Are you going to die? Well, there's a possibility for the type of races that you're doing. There is certainly a possibility that you could die. But it's like when you get on the subway or when you get in a car, are you going to die? You might. But who thinks about that? Oh, I, you know have, what I mean, I have more, I've had more yeah. chances of dying, just running around the block, being hit by a car, exactly. making a turn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that, but I think what's so interesting about what you just said is that, I mean, so much of it is mental. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not prepared, if you're committed, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you can accomplish. Oh, and so after this Australia race, um, uh, I decided, I was like, okay, if I suffered like that for a whole week, then I'm I'm gonna like go after the BQ, the the Boston qualifier that I always like. I kind of I always fantasized about doing it, but like I had a few like failed like miserably failed marathon attempts, and um, so a few months later I I did the BQ because it you know this this uh, 
this Australia race like put everything into perspective. Well, and then at that point, you look at these marathon. Okay, well, it's a shorter race now, and it, it becomes that endurance yeah. where, hey, if I used to run 5Ks and now all of a sudden I'm running a half marathon, well, now I have no endurance. And if I've been training with speed in there, well, that I can push my body harder for a shorter period of time with a proper training in mind, you know, it's, but exactly. you look at a lot of people that I've spoken to, again, it's another thing in, in the ultras, they're like, oh, I accidentally BQ'd the marathon because they were busy doing ultras for two years and like, oh yeah, I ran New York and I accidentally BQ'd. Yeah. So I'm going to Boston in right. two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, part, and part of that is just because you've been running consistently and you're not, you're being, it becomes a fun run. Great aerobic. Yeah. Right. I mean, you think about yes. when going back, it's like 5K, I, I can't do that. Now, 5K right. is your warm up, you know, for, for many people. So we, and, uh, yeah. I don't want all our Sad, listeners. Sadly, yes. Yeah. Sadly, yes. It does take me at least half an hour to get warm these days. <laughs> so then let's talk about. So that was your first. Then you moved on. Let, let's talk about maybe your best or better race that kind of brought things full circle for you. Yeah. that So so for me, um, in 2017, I ran a race called Atacama Crossing in Chile, in the Atacama Desert. And that, that for me, that's a race that, like, everything came together, the training, the nutrition, um, and I won the race. And um, that race was also put on by Racing the Planet, and um, I had actually this that was actually my fourth time running the race. Mm -hmm. The first time uh, was in 2012 and I surprised myself by coming in fourth place. And, I, and then at that point, I was like, wow, maybe I can actually do well at ultra running and maybe even like win this race. Um, being half my father's from Chile and I've spent a lot of time in Chile, so. That's one reason I was like particularly keen on doing well in this race. Um, but I went back in 2013 with high hopes, sprained my ankle, dropped out. And then I went back in 2015 and I sprained my ankle during the race um, and came to second. And so I still hadn't felt like I had actually, you know, had everything working. And finally, 2017, I had everything working and won every stage of the race. So that race, uh, I'm super proud of everything I did to make it happen. And, um, yeah, men mentally, physically, um, that was rewarding. But, I mean, that said, like, winning is so not everything. Like, it's it's rewarding personally, and it's fun in the moment. But, um, I, you know, as I look back, like, it's – because I, I think about, like, oh, that race was really important to me. And like, um, well, you know, what, what was the motivation? Because sometimes, uh, you know, our motivation is, as athletes or whatever we're doing it, it, it waxes and wanes. And, and, and I'm like, can I get, be that motivated again? I don't know. Is the hunger there? But then as I think about it, I'm like, whatever, like what's important is are the relationships that I made in that race. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have great friends from that race and the races before. I'm like, well, that's, that's cool. And that's what lives on, which I don't know. That's just a, a bit of a tangent, long answer to your question. No, but no, it's, it's important um, because in the running community, do you make more friends like true long-term friends? If you came in first place or if you came in 20th or if you came in last? Exactly. 
<laughs> maybe you have a better chance if you have taken your time on the course, you know, maybe you'll have more relationships. Um, I, I can say one of my favorite, so like, oh, go on, sorry. Yeah. Huh. Oh, I oh say- yeah. So I, mean, I was just going to say like, there's no, you know, focusing on winning is like, yeah, not, yeah, definitely let, not everything. Uh, it was 2018. And I did uh, Chicago, New York, and Palm Beach. So three marathons within two months. Uh, one taught me pain. The other one taught me more pain. And then the other one taught me how to love running. And that was Palm Beach. And that was, so first week in December, and it's still hot and humid in Florida at that time. There was no way I was racing this. I mean, this is just a kind of like a, a long run. And there's, you don't have 50, uh-huh. you know, you don't have a million spectators cheering you on. There's times where you're going a mile and you might see one or two people. And the the aid stations, they, they have aid stations, but it's a lot of the locals opening up ice chests and like, oh, here's a shot of beer or do you want a, a frozen pop? No, it's like, oh, this is fantastic. And I found myself just kind of walk running a bit and you'd go into the aid stations and you just start chatting with people. And I was wearing, I was wearing my NBR Jersey and, and people are coming up passing me. They're like North Brooklyn. Hey, I've run with you guys. Or hey, I used to run with Brooklyn. And, and then some people would just be walking and you're just like chit chatting with them. And they're like, oh, this is my uh, 10th marathon of the year. And you, so you start having a conversation while you're maybe power walking and you're like, hey, you want to start running again? Yeah. So you pick up the pace. For me, that wasn't about a race. That was just about having so much fun participating in a marathon and enjoying the company of others that are in a similar situation. They're like, yeah, we we're, we're mm-hmm. just love doing this. And because of that, I got to meet, hang out with the Palm Beach Roadrunners. They're like, yeah, come up here. We're right here after you, know, you cross the finish Wait, the line. P- the PBR? The PBRs? Uh, the Palm Beach Roadrunners. <laughs> yeah, oh, I see what you oh, did there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I do want to touch upon the Atacama Crossing because looking this up, and uh, you know, the one the one thing I want to do in Chile is every year uh, the same day of Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, remember, I have a flu and I'm hopped up on cold medicine, so I can't speak sometimes. Uh, Lollapalooza, the same morning of that is a marathon. And what a lot of people like to do is they run the marathon and then they go to Lollapalooza. So I, in Santiago, in, in San, Chile. Yeah. In, in Chile. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. So I'm like looking at making that a destination festival slash marathon event. Let me know. Yeah. I mean, how much? Let me know. I mean, what, when would I have ever said that? my entire life like yeah let, let me go run a marathon and then go to a, a, a festival but <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think which which is worse to go to the festival and run it or to oh definitely the marathon is going to be more fun <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean in which order what's the better order right yeah true that you have a point uh so but i guess it depends on your goals so i, I do want to ask about um you know because uh atacama it's one of the top 10 endurance challenges in the world. So these are what I, the, I have as notes is 250 kilometers. It's 155 miles, six stage ultra. And on the website, you will tackle sand dunes, river crossings, gravel, loose rocks, hard packed earth, and even waist high grass. This is in addition to the infamous salt flats, salt flats described as frozen broccoli that will challenge even the most dexterous of runners to cross <laughs> at full speed. 
Indeed. And on the website, there's also a photo. They have some photos in there. I saw this one, two guys in a canyon in like knee high water, trekking yeah. poles. It looked would look to me that they had like the size 30 liter backpacks. Right. So it, are you camping out? Is this completely self-supported? I mean, because it's it, it stages each day, except for I think five or something like that. And uh, the mandatory packing list is 35 items. So can you yeah, fill us, you yeah, just, fill us in on this? Me- you're giving me serious PTSD right now. <laughs> like the water in the canyon comes from a glacier. So it's like as cold as it can possibly be. And that, you know, desert nights are freezing. So it's like you get up and you're freezing in the morning. Sometimes your water is actually frozen. And then like that portion of the course uh, is like 2K from camp. So you you're freezing and then you're in freezing water. Um, yeah. And then the frozen broccoli, it's insane on a, like on another level. I, I don't have anything to compare to. I've done tons of trail races and the frozen broccoli is easily the most technical, like gnarly terrain that you need to, that you have to get across while trying not to get spiked by these dried grasses. I mean, they're not, it's more than dried grass. They're like, they're like um, pretty thick, like stems of some kind of plant that is dried and like dagger like, and you're doing it, as you mentioned with this big backpack. So it's hard to balance. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're trying to be dexterous, and um, also trying to balance with this weight on your back. Um, yes, it's uh, self-supported, uh, except Racing the Planet is generous enough to provide a 10-person tent. And, <laughs> How nice and, of them. Uh, yeah, and uh, water. And, and a boiling kettle of water at a fire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, there is boiling water. There's hot water um, in the morning for breakfast and at night. But um, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm obviously I'm joking like you want like roughing it is like definitely part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you don't want to you don't want the spot treatment um, in, in this race. Uh, you you want to leave the salt caked on. See how much you have. <laughs> <end of the laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is gnarly. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love the Atacama Crossing so much because it is such a beastly challenge um it really it's going to challenge you it's going to make you dig deep and when you finish it you you just feel so completely rewarded and you think you've gone through this experience with um you know all these other runners you're all bonded um pretty much for the rest of your life if you've done this i mean it's, it is extraordinary and like the views are martian-like at times at times you have the the classic desert sand dunes um one thing they didn't mention is that the race also takes place between 8500 and 12,500 feet of altitude so you're always at altitude oh um yeah so that i mean that's that's a huge factor and i mean at night this well okay so in, in the atacama desert and this in this area, uh, you have uh, the largest telescope in the world because it's the clear sky. It's the part of the world with the least uh, atmospheric interference, so it's great for stargazing. 
um, which means that the sun hits you extra hard during the day. But at night, I mean, you'll never see such amazing skies. I can imagine. So it's just like the entire race is just, I mean, if even when you're suffering, you're just like, oh, God, look at, look at this. Like, where am I? I'm on planet Earth. I can't believe it. You know, it's just such an amazing experience. I will absolutely go back to that race at some point. I, I need to, even, I need to do even this. not to be competitive, even not competitive, just you know, just to do it. And and every time I've gone, you have met amazing people. Even though it's the same, basically the same course. It's just you know, the desert changes every day. It's 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 never the same. And you're surrounded by volcanoes. They're snow capped. It's just wow. And for people like me, like listening to you, like this past year is my first ultra year, and. Uh-huh. As soon as I finished, it was my second attempt at a 50K. And as soon as I finished that, I was saying, all right, next one, 50 mile or 100K, 100 kilometer, multi-stage. One of my friends turns to me, he's like, you know, you don't have to do all the distances. And I said, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm I'm here, okay? I already have my path set for me now. Transcon. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, Sahara Desert, that sounds lovely. (laughs) So, but this, (laughs) listening to you, coming from what I'm doing what I'm looking to do just hearing you say like, yeah, I just got up and did that in the Australian outback. And then, you know, years later, and then I was doing this and of course it's not about winning. It's about the experience. And for me, it's given me more motivation personally to just say, just go and sign up, go, go book a flight, go sign up, go do it and train and do what you can and just go make it happen. And I, you know, you're inspiring me. Oh, it's so true because and you know what? All these races, these races, like they, they cost money. Like you, know, you have to get there, and you know, the, and the signups and everything. And it, it seems like, well, what's the payoff? But from my experience, I mean, the payoff is invaluable. Um, you know, look at how much money we spend on college or prep school, um, going to debt with student loans, etc. But you'll get so much out of. An experience like this it doesn't have to be out of common crossing you know there's there's lots of options out there um but when you like when you go out there and immerse yourself for like a week in a stage race you'll make meet amazing people you have amazing experiences and an education whether mm-hmm. you like it or not you know you're going to have an invaluable education um so it, it's so worth it yeah so worth it just just do it even if it's even if it's a bomb, like even if it blows up, you know, I would say my my piece, I guess one piece of advice would be like don't do it so that you give yourself a chance to finish. You know, that's important. Mm-hmm. That was my philosophy on my first marathon: is I just want to finish and feel good about finishing it, as good as you can feel after your first marathon, and that yeah. was my goal. There was no time goal. And of course, when you start getting into running clubs with runners, they're like, oh, what's your goal? I'm like, to feel good. And some of them give you that. It's a, that's like a cop-out answer. Well, no, I actually, yeah. my first marathon, I wanted to feel good about it. That's it. I just wanted to cross. I didn't want to die. I want to know that I put in effort and I want to feel that I accomplished something and I did the training because that's part of the journey. It's that training. It's what happens there. And then experience the marathon. Then the next year I'm like, okay, I'll go race it. And well, that didn't work out so well either, but, um, but it's a journey. Yeah. It's a journey. But, but going back to also like, you know, these trips can be expensive. Well, if you do these multi-stages and you just have a tent, you're saving a lot on hotel fees. 
when you think of it that way. Good point. $200 a night <laughs> plus tax and You're like saving some on, saving food. Saving on soap. Yeah. Yep, saving on soap. soap. Shampoo. Yeah. Underwear. Hey, you have a water, you bring a water filter. So you just, you know, you just scoop the water up. You don't try to drink straight from the river. <laughs> Thanks. You, you, you tell me now. Yeah. Tell me now. So, yeah. so, so there were some like achievements there. So that it's, it's a major achievement to win something like that, and even more of a major achievement to be so humble about it. And to the extent, it's like, well, no, this is that journey that you're talking about. But what are some of the achievements that you really are proud of? Um, well, actually, I might. I I don't know. It's it's hard. Hard. Uh, Hard to hmm. Just that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that, but like instinctually, like um current, you know, present day, like I think I'm most I feel like I'm most proud about uh helping other runners um achieve their goals. Um uh, so I started coaching people about seven years ago, and I mean it it's been so rewarding. I I absolutely love doing it. It's it's as much fun as you know, my own training and running. So I don't know why, I, I don't know why that it seems so is, is so fulfilling, but, um, pr- probably, or maybe because like, I kind of like learned so much, mm-hmm. um, on my own and it's just, it's rewarding to pass that on. Um, you know, just what's the point of like learning all this stuff, right? And then just like kind of ending with me. I don't know. It just feels better to pass it on. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's maybe what I'm most proud of is like working with other people, helping them. Um, And see, you see how like you can kind of like affect someone's life in a positive way. And I don't know, that's, Probably. I feel I feel like I'm most proud of that, if anything. Well, you um, get that another a different type of sense of reward watching somebody that you've helped achieve their goal and watching their reaction. It's rewarding in a different way, like the emotions that are tied to it the excitement that you can have for somebody else's achievement. And, and that's a thing in when many people's mindsets and especially in a competitive mindset where somebody else's achievement does not take away space for you to achieve your goals because there's plenty right. of goals out there and there's plenty of teams and everybody is on their own personal journey. They might have a similar goal, but it's still going to be a lot different than your goal. Right. And maybe, and that's probably one of the reasons it's so rewarding is because it's like, as a coach, it's like, I'm still competitive. Right. I want, and in terms of coaching, like being competitive is just means that like, I want people to achieve their goals. It doesn't mean I want them to win a race necessarily, but like, uh, but it's like double, it's like double the reward because you're happy for, you know, I'm happy for myself if I can help somebody, but I'm also happy for them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, it's just like more. Yeah. So, so yeah. is there a, and, and like, mm-hmm. And I think um, after after Atacama and and winning that race, I was like, oh, okay, so that's what it takes to like win a race. And um, I won a couple other races after that, and that was awesome. But it was like um, more as oh, it's, it's part of the process, you know, it's part of the process of like training and having a certain mindset and a preparation. Um, as opposed to being like the end all be all. So yeah, the journey, the process, 
I think I think uh, ultimately I'll be most proud if I can manage to uh, run for the rest of my life uh, without injuries that stop me from running for a long time. I think I'll if I'm like in my 70s or 80s and still running, like I think I'll be most proud of that. Yeah. Um, like I see my mom, for example, she's like almost 77 and she still runs six miles, three times a week. I'm like, how I, I can't imagine being able to do that. Like if I were able to do that, be able to do that at that age, I'd be so proud. It's like truly proud. Well, that, it sounds like it's in your DNA. <laughs> we'll see. If you get, if, hopefully you just get sign that. up. Just yeah, sign up. Yeah, just just sign up. So are, are there any other projects that you're working on right now? Uh, yeah, actually. So. This is very exciting. Uh, in July, I'm actually leading a trail running camp in Chamonix, France. Uh, so this that's be, not a bad place to be holding a camp. No, no, I I don't know. Yeah, wow, it's like it's like winning the camp lottery. Uh, so winning the camp coaching lottery. So I am fired up. Um, again, like I just can't wait to uh, you know be in the mountains running with people, and if I can you know, share some of what I learned to help someone improve their running or life. That is amazing. And that's the whole point. And it's also, it's a plant-based nutrition camp. So we're going to have a vegan chef um, making uh, breakfast and dinner every day. So it's going to be amazing. This is July. Hmm. I don't, I'm yeah. going to look at my calendar in July because it's a great, it'll be a great training block for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'll just be, well, I'll just be coming off my first 50 miler in uh, May. So that'll give me plenty of recovery time. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I like sounds like, are, are you vegan? Um, I'm no, I, mm. I can't say that I'm, I'm a plant-based on my mm-hmm. own time. I'm a vegan. And then when, when I'm with other people, I kind of, uh, just roll with it, especially if I go to someone's house and they've prepared something with me, I'll eat it. Um, no problem. But uh, on my, my on my own time, definitely plant based. And also uh, for the Atacama Crossing, preparing for that, I was completely vegan, and uh, I was curious to see how it would affect my uh, training. And it was. Yeah, I think the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. The proof is in the in the vegan pudding. In the, in the vegan pudding. So, yeah, as much as I can be. Yeah, I, I, I be. went yeah. when I transitioned over to plant-based and I you know, I'm I guess I'm 80% plant-based for on my own. It's all plant-based and similar. If I'm over at somebody's place or if I go out to dinner, I'll eat whatever's there. But I found that when I transitioned over to plant-based within a month, it was uh, and even like the plant-based proteins uh, like Vigo or, or gain is that my recovery was so much quicker, right? It just really helped with the muscles and everything. So I look forward to going into training. So I get back into that process of eating more plant-based. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, quite noticeable how, how much more easily and quickly, like you can just digesting food mm-hmm. and like how, how, how much more, how much faster you're, you're able to um, get going again for sure. Why did you uh, go plant-based? For for that particular reason, I started looking into it and, uh, you know, I was reading about the effects 
of on recovery. And I was getting, oh. I was, uh, it was my first year of marathon training and I was getting injured a lot or after a long run and I was you know, going at marathon pace or after a, a speed day, I just, I was like for a month, I was just miserable. Like I couldn't have, I didn't have any endurance. I didn't have any speed. My legs just felt like tree trunks for an entire month. And I was running in cement shoes and I just couldn't recover. Like nothing was working. So I just, mm -hmm. from reading up on it and some of those documentaries that you start looking into, I said, let me, let me try it out. And I did. And I pepped up within a week or two, I could feel a change, wow. but it was within like a month. All of a sudden I was going harder, going faster, and I was recovering quicker. So while you're getting into that tail end, that bulk mileage, I was actually feeling better. So, and I'll do that. Like if I, you know, say if I'm in the summer or something like that, it's like, oh, it's party season, barbecue season. But then when you start getting into those, like closing out to marathon season, two months, month and a half, I'll just go straight up plant-based and like, just get all that energy and just go into the marathon season. Game changer. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So game changer. exactly. But one, mm -hmm. uh, just to add to the the, the plant-based discussion, I, it's like, I don't run out. I don't run ultra marathons for my health. It's like, I'm actually plant, not, not plant-based for, from a health standpoint, uh, standpoint or motivations. I just, uh, can't live with cruelty to animals. That, that's, that's what annoys mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So, and that, that's another yeah. thing. It's if I also looked at it as well, if I can cut down my footprint, even by cutting down a little, it's like everything starts someplace. So let's cut things down. Let's look at more humane, you know, food. And, and especially with yeah. like, now you have the, these, the meat options that really do taste like you, you wouldn't notice the difference because you're going right. to, you're going to, you're going to mix it, it with might something be better. Some of them taste better yeah. than an actual mm -hmm. hamburger. Right. If I remember correctly. And if you're going to put a, <laughs> a you're going to put a condiment on it anyway, you're going to put lettuce and tomato. Yeah. So you're going to, it's, you're going to put a sauce on it. So you're already covering the actual flavor itself. And, yeah. you know, I, I've had burgers, I, I've had like a Beyond Burger, one of the uh, alternative burgers at a, at a restaurant. I was like, this is even better than any of those Luger burgers or whatever, uh, you know, name a burger place in the city. And once they started getting better quality, then it's like, it's, it's a no brainer at that point. This tastes right. better and it's better yeah. overall for the, for the environment, for, for the world. Yeah. For so. It all um, starts with small full, changes. Full disclosure, mm -hmm. full disclosure, I basically just eat hammer gels all day long. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I get my protein in the peanut butter gel. There you go. Yo, well, that, um, that, that was the next question. It's like, we won't get into that question when you say, oh, I'm plant-based. Well, how do you get your protein? It's like that, you know, we, we don't even need to, <laughs> to address that question yeah. anymore. So, all right. Well, this has been fantastic. I'm motivated. I, I want to go out. I want to go out and run right now, actually. I'm like, hey, can yeah, I get, can I, I want to go run the Palm Beach Marathon. It, it is so much delicious. fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's flat. It, it This is a flat oh. as a pancake one. Say no more. All right. So where can people find you? Uh, Instagram? Yeah, Instagram is great. And my handle is run underscore the letter N underscore suit. So it's run and suit. Oh, there you go. I'm gonna, we're going to put that in the show notes and also have awesome. it in the uh, blog post. And do you have any uh, parting words uh, 
for our listeners. Thanks for listening. If you're still with us, and uh, if you have any questions about my coaching services, please be in touch. Right um, on. I love I love talking about running. So hey, say hi anytime. Right on. So. Fantastic. Zandy, this has been an absolute pleasure. Hope to see you out there soon. And maybe I will see you in Chile sometime. Oh, muy bien. Yeah. Nos All right. vemos. Nos vemos. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. I'll talk soon. You too. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Because every runner has a story, we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace.